What up, what up, what's up happening? What's going on? It's your boy, Daydrian. It's a Monday, and it's the Couch Potato Podcast. Man, I'm excited today. You want to know why I'm excited? Because I got a co-host. Finally, after a few months in this, I got my boy, my brother from another mother. This guy I've been knowing since the sixth grade. We go way back, like four flats on the Cadillac. My boy, Stephen Martin. Tell everybody what up. What up, what up, what up, young people, old people, new people, young people. We out here today doing this Cow Potato Podcast. I'm with my boy, Daydream, and we out here to show some stats and get at it. So, so what's been up, man? How's everything going? Man, everything is going good, man. I'm a Buccaneers fan, so just to see my boys win yesterday was a beautiful thing. You know, my family being beautiful. We doing beautiful things, making moves. Just, just being great, just being, just living in greatness right now, man. It's, it's a beautiful thing, man. All I can say is, it's fantastic and it's beautiful right now for me. That's what's up, man. All right, so uh, for me, everything is the same. Um, my children getting taller every day. Ain't no, sooner or later, we ain't gonna have a house to live in because they're gonna be taller than the houses. <laughs> but um, so much to talk about today. Uh, you know, we're gonna talk about who's playing in the Super Bowl. We're going to talk about the key plays, why certain teams didn't get in the Super Bowl. Um, we're going to talk about the NBA. James Harden is no longer a Houston Rockets fan. Yes. I know the Rockets fans are happy because he didn't do nothing for the city. Tell me he gave it all he got. Who do you think he is? Whitney Houston? Nope. <laughs> um, college basketball. Uh, talk about baseball. And we're going to talk about also, man, tomorrow will be a year since Kobe Bean Bryant passed away. But let's get into this first topic, man. Um, It's the end of an era and the beginning of a new one. What I mean by that, 45 is gone. Him and his peasants, his little crew, is all gone. And we in the the Biden era. Some people don't like it. Some people don't agree with it. Um, We got a female VP. Because clearly John McCain can do it. No offense. May he rest in peace. But hey, I'm 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 somewhat happy with who we have in office. I mean, there was nobody else that was that was running, so we had to go with who we got with. I mean, who we went with. So, what's your take on it, man? I'm gonna tell you right now, Trump is a thug. He did some thug stuff, man. And when the chips were down and he knew he was losing, you know, he was throwing people off his ship, you know. And people out there who you really see the the conditions of the environment we in right now because anytime anybody else lost, nobody stormed the Capitol and and things like that. It was it was, it was very disrespectful to the process. But I learned a lot more from this voting process because 
the whole thing shook us to the core. So we all was very, it made, it opened our eyes. It really did. I knew, I really at first didn't think my vote counted. But when I really saw the whole process of what they do and how they do it, those votes do matter. Your vote does matter. Now, can we can we change that into something better for us later on down the road? We sure can, but we have to make sure we make the investments in ourselves now so when that time comes, we can make the change. But what's for the frame of mind right now, what we have right now is better than what, we, what we've been getting. Am I a fan of Biden? No, not really. Am I a fan of Harris? No, not really. But I give them pay respect for people who want to and who are willing to change. If you're willing to change, I'm willing to work with you. Right. Um, one of the things that I've told people um, was that 45 was probably sitting with the Clintons and was saying, like, you know what? I'm going to run for president. And I'm going to just say something crazy like, make America great again. And people are going to believe it and follow, follow through with it and just go from there. And when he won, he didn't even win the popular vote at that. So... When when he lost this time around, you know, of course he's got to blame everybody as the scheme. Like you, you lost by twice as many votes as you did in the in the first election that you won. So, but all he really did, like I don't I don't think forty five is a racist. Well, I I can call him Trump now. He's no longer the president, so I can call him Trump. Trump, I don't believe that he's racist in a sense, but I do believe he exposed what was already out there for, for people who have this thought process of, oh, yeah, I don't like this person either. Oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I feel like I'm above the law. I'm entitled to this. I'm entitled to that. So that was one of the things that that it didn't surprise me because under the right circumstances, anybody, will, it will expose what's always, always been there. Like, for instance, people, when people get money and things like that. When they get to a certain... I guess cash flow or certain money mindset or whatever money that they have, they feel like they're entitled to do this and do that and think they can get away with it. So that's one of those things where it's like, oh, well, I'm just, he would just say, I'm going to say stupid stuff and people are going to fall for it. And it was crazy that he, he really talked bad about the poorly educated and the poorly educated still voted for him. But at the end of the day, after all the voters were still count, counted, we still, as a country in America, is still divided. And other countries are looking at us as like, hey, y'all supposed to be this great nation, and y'all have no clue or anything like that as to what y'all doing over there. But, hey, for some reason, we making it work. Yeah, I, and I feel, that, I feel that to the T because... We are at an age of progression right now, and progression is rough because the out with the old, in with the new thing is is real is, is a real tough process because cognitive dissonance is a mother, and some people are so certain and so used to a certain way that when it starts to change, they can't break from it. It was folks who were literally crying, praying to God, like, "Why God? Why? Why did Trump have to lose?" Trump was wrong. Trump was bad. And he was really trying to put God into the mix or put some type of religious affleck to the mix. It doesn't help because evil is evil and good is good. And this man opened the paths to some evil people. People felt regular in their skin again. They was talking about make America great. No, make America or what once what it used to be. 
a country who a certain pigment of people were in power and everybody else was below them. And now the progress has shown that those certain people with that same pigment don't like this stuff either. They getting tired of their own stuff. Like, man, we, we need to erase this. Yeah, we are not our ancestors. <laughs> Let me just clarify that for anybody who considers themselves to be a colonizer. Yes, I said it. <laughs> I know I'm going to say it. Um, yeah, uh, we're not our ancestors. So if you think that we just going to let you push us around, no, nah, it's not going to happen. Not today, not tomorrow. And I'm pretty sure not next week either. <laughs> so, enough about that. We're going to move on and let's talk about Championship Sunday. Yes! <laughs> I made sure that the Buccaneers and the Chiefs, I mean, and the Packers was the second game we're going to talk about because we're going to talk about the Bills and the Chiefs first. So, clearly the Chiefs were separate themselves from everybody in the AFC, even though the Steelers went. 11-0, and we thought that they were going to make some noise. Clearly, Chiefs set themselves apart. Mm. So, Chiefs won 38-24, and I believe the game was over with once the kickoff started. Only white reason why I say this is because, <laughs> for some reason, Pat Mahomes just loved uh, uh, play, playing down early in the playoffs because he seems to just thrive in it. I don't know why that is, but. It just, it just seems to happen that way. Like, I, I, don't, I don't get it. Why does he end up playing behind a two-score game because nine points is still two scores? And he was just like, all right, it's time to play now. It's time to go in God mode because that's what, that's what D-Hop called him. So, um, Pat Mahomes, 29-38, 325, three touchdowns. And he just looked like, yeah, we, yeah, we, we got one more team to play. But – Man, I make this look easy. What's your thoughts? Man, where, where can I start? First of all, Pat Mahomes, I knew he was a, a, a dude to not be reckoned with when he was, completed the first backwards pass in the NFL. When I first saw that, it messed my head up, okay? That's when I knew that was God tier status anyway. Number two, when they were saying he was on concussion protocol and had turf toe, I told everybody, if he comes back against the Bills, Bills go ahead, might as well go ahead and pack it. Because that dude has phenomenal skill play, and he has phenomenal leadership. Like, these dudes fall on that man. You know, they lean on that man, and that man leans on them. And that chemistry for that team is so solid. It's scary. Like, the only reason why they don't lead the league in most points, they can run the board up to 60 points. It's because Mahomes chooses not to. Like, I've seen him. He can sit up there and literally light the scoreboard up, and he'll look at his teammates like, we ain't going to do that. We're going to play like gentlemen. And he, they lose, they'll they win about four or five points, but they could have beat you by 35, 40 points off the rip. I think with this team he got, he can break the Redskins' record of 83 points in the game easy. But because he's a gentleman and he's a field general, he don't want to do that. He might need to score 83 points against uh, the Buccaneers. I mean, and quick question, like, who 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 is faster than Tyreek Hill right about now? Because I seen when uh, Miko Hardeman – on that rushing play, got like 50 yards, you see the cheetah running ahead of him, like full speed ahead. Oh, I'm man. Like, like, it's crazy. Tyreek Hill, nine catches, 172 yards receiving, and he didn't score no touchdowns, but just his excitement, the the the, the yak, the yards after the catch, is, is what made him, you know, dominate. Like, he, he dominated the game because when he every time he caught it, he was like, 
something's about to happen. And something did happen. You know, he um, ran all over the place, even though he didn't score a touchdown. But still, like, he was hard to stop. And then why has no one decided that, you know what, I should put somebody on Travis Kelsey? He had 13 catches, nine in the first half. And no one thought. And then he ended up wide open on the second touchdown. And I was like, so no one's going to cover Travis Kelsey. Like, if that was, I don't know, Jordan Atkins or uh, what's what's the boy name? What's the tight end from Dallas? Um, Jesus, what's the guy name? Anyway, if it was a tight end like that that no one really knows, fine. Yeah, leave him open. But Travis Kelsey, he is on every team's game plan to stop. And you leave him wide open? Nah, that's not what we do. I get what you're saying on that part. Tyreek is a freak for real. Like I've seen the dude's leg muscles. He he's he's half thoroughbred. He's part horse. Like the dude the dude can run, and the dude can get open. And what makes him a double a dual threat? He's short, so he's gonna get under you regardless. And he is an X factor in that game. If he's not in that game, he can't really open up the playbook like Mahomes want to. And with with that being said. The reason why I knew that they was going to win is because, like, like I, like I said again, Mahomes is a, an effective leader, and just because y'all holding Tyreek, that means that he ain't gonna stop passing it to Kelsey, Hardman. He's gone. He's gonna make a way, and you can't hold. You can't tri- or double team all three of his receivers because guess what? He'll run it with turf toe and all. So at the end of the day, everybody on that team. Lean on each other. And they all make a contribution. From the front line on the offense to the front line on defense, they all make a contribution. And that's what makes that team strong, that chemistry of of how the Chiefs are. And if they keep that same chemistry throughout, they're going to have a couple of Lombardi trophies behind that case. All right, so the Chiefs are moving on to the Super Bowl, and they are going against the, the Tom Brady Buccaneers. The Buccaneers beat the Packers. In what is probably a controversial call as far as, well, not controversial call, but a coaching decision that, in my opinion, I'm not giving the ball back to Tom Brady. Or if I'm going to give the ball back to him, I'm going to give him the ball back with the game tied or something. I'm not kicking a field goal. Anyway, but the Buccaneers won 31-26. They're moving on, and I'm pretty sure Bill Belichick is looking at the TV and was like, well, you know, Tom Brady, he, you know, played a good game. You know, you got to correct the interception, but, you know, then turn the TV off. <laughs> you know, Bill Belichick is probably sick to his stomach, and Cam Newton is probably been like, oh. Then Jameis Winston, Mr. 30 for 30. Like, it, it's it's a lot that's going on, and it's at the right quarterback. Like, I've realized, well, I've always, I've always known this. Like, there's two people you don't bet on as of right now, LeBron James, Tom Brady, and it shows. So, I'm, I'm going to give the floor to Stephen Martin to talk about his Buccaneers and tell me what he thought about the game. Okay, the first half of the game, we played, my Buccaneers played fabulous. I'm not going to lie. Tom Brady picked Green Bay apart. The defense picked their offense apart. And the biggest difference from the first, it was a tale of two halves. The first half, we came in, guns a-blazing, motor running. You know, your boy Tom had was 20 for 36, 280 yards, three TDs, and three unfortunate interceptions. But the playmakers there, who actually had the offense going, 
was your boy Chris Godwin. He was five for 110 receiving yards. And also your boy Scotty Miller with that touchdown with one second left in the half. That 50-yard bomb kind of pretty much dismantled the Packers' defense, period. And they really weren't ready to recover from it. But as the game went on, Aaron Rodgers went into his own mode and was able to get the game back into motion. But the it was two plays that bothered me, but then I have an understanding to why he didn't do them. There was a play-action rollout he did. Your boy Scandley was open on the left side of the field, but he went to Adams. Scandley was all by himself. He went to Adams. It was a misplay. They had to punt. Then they was third and goal. He had open opportunity to run in for a TD. He might have got caught, but he had one or two yards where they could have did a run play and would have tied the game up. Those plays right there shows how much defensive pressure was because they sacked him five times. You get sacked about five or six times, you are discombobulated and you don't want to get hit no more. So that led to some bad choices, but still you should have been clear-headed enough to still want to win the game. I look at that and, like, that, that game, I thought it should have been better. Well, it was a good game. I'm not going to say it wasn't. It was better than the uh, Bills and the Chiefs game. But what I saw was Aaron Rodgers in that situation is on that, on that, third, on that third and goal play with him having the opportunity to run it. You know, you're thinking, like, the Buccaneers defense is, is an underrated defense. They they will make plays. And all it would have took is for Shaq Barrett or Levante David to strip the ball from Aaron Rodgers and the game is over anyway. So he's looking at it. He's trying to put the ball in the end zone, right? So you come fourth and goal, and they'll have to kick the field goal. And I'm like, Tom Brady doesn't need a touchdown, doesn't need a field goal. He just only needs to get a first down, two first downs to – to really run out the clock and game's over. Like Aaron Rodgers is your quarterback and for the coach to be like, no, let's go for three points and trust our defense. Mm, no. I'm not trusting my defense. Not not say that the Packers defense is a bad defense, but cause they did get three picks. You know, so it's not like they were out there being slouches, but you know, if Aaron <coughs> Rodgers is your quarterback, you put him in a position to Give your give your team a chance to win. That that's that, that's all you can ask for now. If it's somebody like Sam Darnold, then shoot, yeah, kick a field goal. <laughs> oh, you know. But this is Aaron Rodgers. He he's top five quarterback in the league right now. You know, you put him in that position to give your team opportunity to win the game. He just just needs needs the opportunity. But no, let's kick the field goal. And if that was Mike McCarthy, Mike McCarthy would have said go for it. And they probably had a play designed for them to get in the end zone. Mm-hmm. But this goes back to during the draft when they when they drafted Jordan Love instead of getting, going after a receiver. Um, Jerry Judy, I believe, was still available. Or, or maybe I think Henry Ruggs. No, Henry Ruggs went before. But, you know, there were some receivers that were available. They could have got uh, Brandon Ayuk. Because he went in the second round. Oh, like, yeah. Like, there were receivers there in the, that went in the second round that you could have gotten in the first round to help out. I mean, shoot, even K.J. Hamler was available. You know, he would have been definitely a good speed threat. Oh, yeah. Like, it's – but, you know, you, you're trying to get Aaron Rodgers' successor and you put him in a situation to where, you know, hey, coach, would you know – and I, in, in a sense, I think Aaron Rodgers should have been like, you know what, now – 
I'm let, let me let me ha- let me have this, you know. And if Tom Brady would have came down and scored a touchdown or a field goal, then so be it. We're having a whole different conversation, but give him that opportunity. That that that's all you can ask. Mm-hmm. So we got the Chiefs and the and the Tom Brady Buccaneers going to the Super Bowl. I'm not gonna give my pick yet until next week. So stay tuned for that. But in other NFL news, um, the Texans are still in search for a coach. And they want to bring in Kay McCown or Jim Caldwell. Now, Kay McCown never coached in his life. He was he was a okay quarterback. He's he was a below average. He was not an average or above average. He was a below average quarterback with no coaching experience. He wanna bring him in. Then you got Jim Caldwell, who has experience, and Deshaun Watson is probably like, so y'all don't want to listen to me, right? Y'all just want to do what y'all want. And this is why the sports teams in Houston are the way that they are. The last championship, I believe, was the Houston Dynamo, but who really watches soccer here? Or, you know, (laughs) like, oh, I'm sorry. The Houston Astros got a ring in 2017. Let me not be disrespectful to him. Where's my trash can at so I can bang on it real quick? Still signs. Um, so, um, what did your take on the Texans organization? Wow. Um, where can I go? Where can I start from? Okay. <clears throat> Texas football period has not evolved. And I say it like this. These cats out here now want a team – like I said earlier, chemistry. They want team chemistry from the GM down to the head coach down to the assistants. If they have chemistry and they all can be on the same page, then the team works better. Texas Texas football, period, is a shut-up-and-play state. And I see that. I've, they've done it for the last two years. Shut up and play. Deshaun Watson was like, I want my input on the coaches so we can have, so we can have a sit-down. See who we bond with so we can develop a team around each other and have a great defense and a great offense. Now, why are you bringing Kay McCown in? I would never know. And that and that's what she, it, that brings on another topic that we're going to discuss later. And you bring in Jim Caldwell, the same guy that said playoffs? <laughs> what are you talking about, playoffs? If a guy can sit up there and act like that towards the team, you think he's going to be a better, good, uh, a better fit for the Texans? I don't think so. No, I don't have anything against Jim Caldwell. Um, he he did have Peyton Manning a couple of years, but you know I, they're, they're doing the, the the Rooney Rule with uh, Jim Caldwell. But Deshaun Watson wants Eric Bieniemy, the offensive coordinator for for the Chiefs. Which you know listen 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 to your quarterback because he's supposed to be your franchise player. And you you got to put him in this position. He like he's in, he 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 wants to be traded now. There's a rumor that he wants to be traded, and the, there are sources that are close to him that that saying that he wants to be traded now. We don't know for sure. He hasn't came out and said that he wants to be traded or anything like that. But you you went in and brought in this GM named Nick Cesario, who to me, <laughs> I told my wife this. And I told other people this, he looked like the in-shape version of Peter Griffin. If you put a picture of Peter Griffin's fat face next to his and you see it, you'd be like, mind blown. 
So and and this comes after Cal, Cal McNair comes out and says like you know when Sean Watson asks Cal McNair like I want to be involved in the process the hiring process of who you bringing in because this gonna affect who he is but because he 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 got paid this hundred and sixty million dollars he he's supposed to shut up and play no that's not how we do and what's here's the crazy part the best the best football teams in Texas are high school teams. Like you got North Shore, mm-hmm. you got Katy, mm-hmm. you got Duncanville. Mm-hmm. Like you got high school teams that, that are better than the Texans. Like it's crazy, it's bananas. And then the Texans defense, oh my gosh! Like garbage water. I, I realized that the reason why the Capitol got stormed because they had the Texans defense out there trying to defend it, and that's <laughs> the National Guard. But we don't want to talk about that. Like, hey, but you know, if 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 Deshaun Watson leaves the Texans, maybe maybe they'll go after Matthew Stafford. The Lions are looking to trade him. But let's hope that they don't give up any more first round picks for Matthew Stafford, because he's at the tail end of his career. Mm-hmm. Now, when it when it comes down to um to to the organization in a nutshell, again, it's about chemistry. And you know, crack about the Texas defense. I'm dying over here. Um, it you have for the last four years before this debacle, you had a team that was on, running on all cylinders, offense and defense wise. Defense was pretty pretty intact. Then you add Deshaun Watson, you make it make him a dual threat. You had um, D Hop. All I mean, the, it was lining up right. Now, at the time you're supposed to have let go O'Brien, you let him stay there. I don't know if he had dirt on y'all, but he was he became head coach slash general manager. I don't know how you pull it off. I don't know why they gave you that type of power. I, I, I still don't understand that power play to this very day. I mean, you must have, had, must have walked in on some unnecessary stuff and be like, I'm going to tell it if you don't pull me up and let me keep my job. And it went downhill ever since. You let go of D-Hop. He goes to Arizona, acts a clown in Arizona. Because I got a feeling Arizona going to be a, a big threat next year because Kyler Murray going to really build his confidence up. And you start releasing other people from your defense all around to all around the league. And like I tell everybody, Houston, if you played for Houston, you're going to win the championship with somebody else. You're going to go to the Super Bowl with somebody else because I think we are a training ground for great players. I mean, look at the Honey Badger. He came here. He let him go. He'd have been to the Super Bowl once. Now he's going to the Super Bowl again. Have almost 12 people from your original roster have been in the playoffs multiple times. So what does that say? They know how to make their mark. Why they couldn't make their mark here is because it's the team itself. I mean, not only that, it's not just the Texans. It's the Houston Astros who traded away players and they go somewhere and get a World Series. Steve Finley, Luis Gonzalez, just to name a few. Brandy Johnson. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, oh, and don't let me not talk about the Rockets. Let's see, Robert Ory goes and get three more rings. Well, I'm sorry, he would have got five more rings. My bad. <laughs> 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 oh my gosh! Like, it, it's it's amazing how these Houston teams, you know, like like you said, Stephen, how the Rockets are a a training 
training ground for a team to go get championships. Well, if I play for the Texans a couple of years or if I play for the Rockets a couple of years, I can get a championship. Let's see how it works out. I mean, shoot, Dwight Howard just got a ring. <laughs> it's amazing. Yep. I don't know, James Harden might get one. But, of course, LeBron has to retire first. So, but that that's for another conversation down the line. So, let's talk about this. This this Eagles controversy, right? So so, oh wait for the, the Eagles playing the Washington football team, and in the fourth quarter, Doug Peterson was like, "Um, you know what? I'm gonna pull I'm gonna pull Jalen Hurts and put in this guy. I forgot his name. That's just how crazy and ridiculous it was. Like, who who was this guy they just put in? I think I made fun of his name. I." I I think I said his name was like ibuprofen or something like that. I don't know. Oh, you're talking about Sundell? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Sudafed. That's what I call him. <laughs> Sudafed. <laughs> Bring the quarterback name Sudafed. And Doug Peterson has the audacity, the mitigated gall, to, to pull Jalen Hurts and say you was trying to win. No, you didn't want the Giants to win. So he was like, I'm going to let this team get in. They don't have a name, but they're the Washington football team. And, you know, we're going to let them win. And then I'm pretty sure Chase Young was like, well, we're going to the playoffs. My first year in the league, okay, let's do this. So players in the locker room was trying to charge at Doug Peterson because, like, I'm, I'm sorry. If, if, if I'm on the team that is playing and if, if I said we don't get in the playoffs, I'm going to play spoiler. Like, I'm going to make sure the team that I'm going against don't get in or they miss out on it. Like, I'm not going to sit up there and be like, oh, well, since we're not winning, I might as well just let them win. No. That means you, you – but if you think about it, with them losing, they went above the Cowboys and the Giants in in this uh, this year's draft. What are your thoughts about the Eagles situation? I'm going to call him Doug Pedersen. Because he was petty. <laughs> that was the most pettiest move ever. And just like you said, he didn't want the Giants to win. Had they had they beat the Cowboys and the Giants would have uh, – no, had they beat – because I think they, they had played Washington, right? Yeah, they played the Washington football team. Yeah. And had they beat Washington and, and the Giants had beat the Cowboys, the Giants would be in that spot. Doug Peterson said, nah, we're not going to let the Giants win this. I'm going to become Doug Pettison and be petty about this. Jalen, your leg hurt. Come sit down. And they, I know they was upset like, man, why we could have we win? I did it. No, because I wanted to play spoiler for somebody else. I I would sit up there and, and let somebody who I know that's going to be garbage against whoever they play because – the Washington football team was just inc- it was just inconsistent as any other football team in a uh, conference. So it's like, even if we do win that, the Giants would actually give the Bucks a better fight because they they defense was slowly coming up. You think I'm gonna let this other thing overshadow me right now? You know what? Nah, go ahead and take a seat, Jalen. I'm gonna be Doug Pettison today, and he was petty. That's all I can say. That's capital P E T T Y petty. And needless to say, he got fired for that. Jeffrey Lurie did the right thing by letting him go. So, J.J. Watt, who's probably gone, shoot, let him come to Dallas. 
So, um, say he, he apologized to Deshaun Watson for wasting one of his years. Don't blame him. I mean, shoot, J.J. White shouldn't have been the only person apologizing. Zach Cunningham needs to line up because, oh, my gosh, that dude, he's a great tackler. He great tackle. Let's put him in cover and see what happens. And what's funny is that, like, if you were to play Madden and you went against the Texas defense, Zach Cunningham would do the same thing he's doing. Yeah, he'll make some tackles on the run. You put him in that pass because, well, he got, got to cover the running back and tight end. It, who, whoever, whoever that receiver is that, that he's guarding, not 10 times out of 10, you're going to catch the ball and make a move, and then he's stuck. Um, so we're going to move on from these Texans because it's so funny that they keep trying to do what they can to help Deshaun Watson, and it's, it's not working out. So the finalists for the Hall of Fame, 2021 Hall of Fame lists came out, and Peyton Manning and Charles Woodson highlighted so, I'm going to give you some names. Outside of those two, those are first ballot Hall of Famers. I'm not worried about that. But the names I'm going to give you, Tim, do you think are they first ballot Hall of Famers? Rondé Barber. Yes. You said it because he played for the Buccaneers. And he got the game with an interception in the Super Bowl. Yes. Okay. I guess. <laughs> I, I, I believe he's a Hall of Famer, but not first ballot. Um, Torrey Hope. First ballot or no? That's a that's a hit and miss because Tory Holt was fast. He made he made his presence in the NFL like you you had to triple team that dude how fast he was. Now and, and he had the Super Bowl and he had Isaac Bruce and Kurt Warner. Yeah, you know you had a quarterback that could get you the ball. You knew how to get open, and you did that for years on end until you retired out. So I'm not gonna knock it if you want to put him on that first ballot. That's fine with me because he earned it. he earned the spot there. What about John Lynch? You already know what I'm going to say. Okay. <laughs> yup. <laughs> Zach Thomas. His presence was known when he was on the field. Now, right now, as a Hall of Famer, do I think? I don't think he's the first ballot, but I, yeah. think, I think he's a Hall of Famer. Yeah, the first ballot, I don't really think so. But his presence on the field, the leadership he had, he, he was effective. I'm not going to lie. He was a very effective person, you know. But with all that behind him, what legacy does, has, he, has he left behind? I mean, just a guy who got a bunch of titles for the Dolphins. That's it. What about Reggie Wayne? First ballot, no. But I would give him this. That dude was quick. Him, when you had him and Marvin Harrison on the side of each other, you you had a field day. And Dallas Clark. Exactly. You had a field day. Should he be first ballot? Man. I mean, unless it's Slim Pickens. I mean, it's, it's other folk out there that might have passed on or whatever, but uh, his name is shouldn't be on the ballot right now because it's, it's too early for him. You know? And I like – like Peyton Manning and Charles Woodson, they they paid their dues in the league. They got ten plus years in the league. Reggie Wayne, what, what he was twelve years, less yeah. than twelve years. About, I think it's about twelve, thirteen years. Yeah, you know, most of these folks don't hear Hall of Fame status to about fifteen years anyway. So, do I think Wayne does deserve Hall of Fame status? Yeah, right now, no. Yeah, and I feel the same way for Leroy Butler, Richard, I mean Richard Seymour. That's 
kind of up in the air too. Like, but I don't, I don't think he's the first ballot. Alan Fanfield, he played on the line. I think he is the first ballot yeah. considered for the line. And Clay Matthews Jr. Well, that speaks for itself. The the the, the, the name Matthews in itself speaks uh, first ballot Hall of Fame. Mm. And, and and those not all the names. That's just the names that that are that I highlighted that people that I've watched play. So that's that. Um, let's talk about the Cowboys real quick. I got to get that in before, before we move on to some some touchy subjects. Well, I'm not say they touchy, but be respectful. Cowboys still got more rings than the Buccaneers. So, Ouch. So um, that that Prescott has all the leverage, as you've seen what happened with the quarterback carousel that went on with the Cowboys. And um, what's his name? Gilbert played surprisingly well. Like, I'm going to figure out why they didn't start him over when they had Danucci. Like, like Danu who? No, I don't know him. But Oh, you're talking I, about the two back-back quarterbacks. Yeah, okay. so I'm hoping that the Cowboys pay this man. I ain't saying pay him Pat Mahomes money because ain't nobody – can nobody touch the hem of his garment or the hem of his jock strap, for that matter? But I say, man, pay that. Pay that. So, your thoughts on this next subject. Officers that shot Jacob Blake will not be charged, and the National Guard was sent out to Wisconsin, but not at the U.S. Capitol. What's your thought? Okay. In this era and time, people... People who are not compassionate are gonna use the rules to benefit them. If you have any compassion for life, you don't need to take it. That that's that's officers, that's military. I mean, even I mean, you with your military background, you know that that is a last resort. You are trained that there's a last resort. You are trained to handle things peacefully, calmly, and there is no life loss because they've trained you to value life. My thing is, why can't these in-country officers have that same ideology? You know, let that be your last move. You know, let that be your last decision. Let that be your last, let that be your last anything. Because talking and bringing down somebody with force ain't no problem. But if you have to get your weapon involved, 99 times out of 100, you, you don't have to get that weapon involved. A lot of these senseless killings and accidents that have been happening is because folk went overboard. And then they have this sense of power. Now, that plays on two levels. You saw two levels of America. They sent the National Guard to Wisconsin. But they, they ain't refused to send it to the Capitol. Now you know who's, it bothered me that you see who, what's at work. You sit up there and you will send people to a protest where there was no going to be no bloodshed. Folks going to say what they say and feel how they feel. But you got folks storming the Capitol. Now, forgive me when I say this. You have folk who had no arms and legs and wheelchairs being escorted through the Capitol, fussing and cussing and tearing stuff up. Then the one woman that got killed, she was a veteran that was trying to go through the window. So folks end up there getting mad about that. But wait a minute. Y'all said y'all gonna storm the Capitol. Y'all supposed to already had these people out here willing and ready just in case stuff pop off so folks wouldn't lose their lives. And it was five people that died that day. Five. It, it might have been more had folks just decided when they realized that the Capitol wasn't playing and folks decided, okay, let's get on out of here. 
And then they have the gall enough, the absolute gall, to go into some of these Congress people's office and knock their stuff off and take their documents. I I don't know how that plays out in any realm of the world. It doesn't. <laughs> that that's the that's the only way to put it. Um so the Jacob Blake situation was like, and I'll say this, I'm sorry, if you're a police officer and you tell me to put my hands up, you ain't you ain't gotta shoot shoot and hit me, just shoot toward me and I'm gonna just go to the ground, put my hands behind my back, or whatever case may be, I will comply. Not saying that I need to run or anything or I'm doing something that I shouldn't be doing. However, the world we live in and everybody's watching what police are doing and I get it. I understand the other side of perspective. You know, you just inferior your life. Again, if you put on a uniform and you yelling blue lives matter, let me be the first to tell you blue lives matter is not a real thing. You saying blue lives matter. You don't, if you don't, you don't like it, take up that uniform, find you another job. If you, if you inferior your life and you call yourself a police officer or a cop, then you in the wrong profession. Maybe you should take up bacon or something or sewing. Or basket weaving, be like Derrick Rose, or anything like that. Sorry, Derrick Rose, I don't mean to come at you like that, but I'm just saying that was your degree in college at Memphis. But um, that's a whole other conversation. But like, it, as a police officer, like if you're in fear of your life, then you you have the wrong job because you can't be trigger happy and nervous and think that oh, I was in fear for my life. Well, shoot, the person you were shooting at was in fear of that life too. Mm-hmm. So, you know. Now Jacob Blake is is in a wheelchair, paralyzed, or whatever. Just like the, the 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 saucy nugget was at the Capitol in a wheelchair with no limbs. Like that's that's basically what he was. He was a saucy nug. He 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 was not a chicken wing. He had no wings. He was a saucy nug. And he's the Capitol. I, I can't even understand that. So for them to send the National Guard out and then they knew that this was going to happen and did nothing. It was almost like watching National Treasure. And and Gates was trying to tell them that someone was trying to steal the, the Constitution. And they ignored it. But it got stolen. Not but they but Gates was trying to trying to steal it from the person who actually was trying to steal it. That's a whole nother conversation. So let me ask you this. And so Amy Schumer, who I think she's a funny person. She has some funny funny movies that, that I've watched. Um, but she came, came out and said that men of color are more misogynistic than her white counterparts. Your thoughts? First of all, <laughs> Amy Schumer is not funny to me. <laughs> I'm just going to be honest. She is cornball. She's She has no appeal to me. Okay. Secondly, the reason why, even if she has the audacity to say that, is that's because it's been ingrained us by her white counterparts over centuries of slavery and endured servitude and being beaten and being broken in and being harmed. And so it kind of got beaten into us that men are better than women. And so to sit up there and to say that we're more misogynistic, we got that from your counterparts, our ancestors knew how powerful the woman was. We respected her. She was not treated as 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 a, as as trash or such. It was when we got here and we were forced into your standards, your people's standards, not ours, yours. But, but to make the even to even had the audacity to say, hey, we're better than women. No. Uh uh-uh. uh. Not gonna not that's not gonna fly. And that to me is is idiotic and stupid. And I promise you, 
if y'all counsel her, it wouldn't bother me. If y'all want to raise her up, it doesn't bother me either because I don't support the woman in any, in any shape or form. Amy Schumer, um, like I said, I saw I seen a couple of her movies, and she's not like funny, funny to make you make you cry or make you roll out your seat or anything like that. But she has, she's more of a, a Jason Bateman funny, like it, it's more subtle, like more calm. But you like you, but you get the punch of the joke. So when she said it, I was just like, how many black guys do you know that are like that for you to just make that assumption? You know, that, that 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 was my first take on it. And number two, you know, who are you listening to to make you be like, like, yeah, black guys, guys of color are totally misogynistic. How, Sway? How do you know? Have you been around enough to make that assumption? Because, you know, for me, I'm not misogynistic. Far from it. Yeah, I'm I, I think if you could describe me, and I'm just talking about myself, as somebody that I am, I'm very jovial, and I could be a jerk, but not misogynistic. That's I'm far from that. But for her to say that, it's just like, okay, so who you hanging around is, is not beneficial to what, where you're trying to go, clearly. So if she gets canceled, great. If she doesn't, don't matter to me. I've only, the only movie I saw of her was really Trainwreck, and... In that, movie, that was like, a train wreck. In that movie, like I truly believe that's her real life story. <laughs> like you are a train wreck, and you do any and everything under the sun to try to figure this thing called life out. That's my take. So let's talk about the NBA. Um, where should I start? First, I'm gonna give a shout out to the to the what do they call him? The, the the baby face assassin, Steph Curry, moves in the second place all time for three pointers. Like that dude release so quick, so fast, he gets to a spot and can make it. Like he is going to shatter the all time record. Ray Allen, you, you, your time is numbered. You're ready to be number two, mm-hmm. and it's going to be hard for anybody to catch Steph Curry once he takes over number one. Your thoughts? I might agree with you on that one. Um, the boy, he, is he 30 yet? I think he might be 30. He's still got about seven, eight more years, and he's going he's gonna to reign in threes by the thousands. Um, he's, he's making 400 threes a year. Exactly. So, I, I, I mean, I, I'm – I, I really can't – you took the words out of my mouth. I really can't say anything. But, hey, Ray Allen, it was nice knowing you. Um, you was a decimator from the three-point line. You knew, how to, you knew how to shoot when the shot needed to be took. But Steph Curry sitting up there shooting balls from half court knowing he can make it and bank it in, in. It's like, ugh. if you could just sit up there and, and go and shoot 35 threes and make 27 of them, hey, I mean, you, you on the roll to – to greatness and go set up a record in, in the position in the league that, hey, um, we we can't we can't do that here, you know. And to even try to chase after that record would be a, a blank question itself. Like the, I, I would honestly have to say that if anybody's gonna catch him, it'll have to either be Clay or Dame Dollar. Like those are only two I could see that even 
like that even get close to it. Like, and then there's no knock on the future shooters and things like that. That that's that's coming up. You know, you know. I don't want to not like Jamal Murray or Devin Booker, or you know who else is a shooter. Like some of these young guys. Like I'm not knocking them or whatever. But what Steph Curry is doing right now to the league. Like he has like the 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 three pointer is so is so much of a game changer that it really depicts on like man, I need to work on my three point game. Like I need to work on my three point shot, mm-hmm. and it, it clearly shows who's working on a three point shot because all I've seen since the pandemic happened, and matter of fact, I even say since twenty eighteen, the only people that's working on their jump shot is Steph, Clay, and Dame Dollar. Everybody else is just like, oh, yeah, well, I can shoot them. But, no, you're not shooting from 35 feet. <laughs> and then when they're walking back like you know what's going in. Like, come on. Like, shoot your shot. Like, and, I, and, I, and I've even said this during the pandemic. Every player, professional player that's playing in the NBA, you should have been working on your craft the entire time. You, you make stupid money. And you're out there, like, all this time off, I'd be putting up a 1,000 jump shots a day, literally. That Oh, Trey Young may have a chance also. But other than that, no one's going to catch Steph Curry. I'm, I'm a firm believer no one's going to catch Steph Curry. So, LaMelo Ball, first off, father of the year goes to LaVar Ball. I don't care what nobody say. Because at one point, he had all three boys sign an NBA contract before – Jello got released by the Pistons, and now he's in the G League right now. So, LeVar Ball is the father of the year, hands down. But LaMelo Ball, the, the youngest player, the youngest to ever do it, becomes the youngest player to record a triple-double. Triple-double. Now, triple-doubles is, I'm not going to say that, that they're easy to come by, but, you know, if, if you're a stat stuffer and if you're all about just not, not not necessarily trying to score, but if you're doing whatever you can to help the team, that's great. But what do you think about Ball getting uh, Benny Young to get a triple-double? First of all, the Ball family is probably the best way to describe them. They all ball. Um, would I give LeVar Ball father of the year? Eh, hit and miss. But his kids can play. I will, I will, his sons can play all day. Um, they have drive. They have motivation. They aspire to be greater than they were before, you know. And I, that's what I do like about the Ball family. I'm not gonna lie. I was not. Oh, I was not aboard the Ball train at first. I wasn't. I had my doubts, but I see that his parenting and they work ethic work together. They want to be the best. They're not gonna brag about it. They've been, you know, at first they came out pretty strong, but life gave them a little piece of humble pie, and they humbled themselves. Now that's where that's where they caught me. They humbled themselves. Like, hey, we want to be the greatest. We want to be the best. We want to be recognized. But let you know, let's let's come back on it. Let's come back on the media and all the other stuff, and let's just play. And it's starting to show. I'm proud of Lamelo for being the youngest player to do it, because that means that's a trailblazer moment for him. That that literally means that. If you need an every man on your team, if he need to get that rebound, he'll get it. If he need to throw that extra pass, it'll be, it'll be said and done. If he see that shot, he'll take it. 
those are those are qualifiers for you even getting that type of triple double. You have to be an all arounder. You have to make contributions to everybody, to every part of the team. Even if it's just sitting on the bench for 10, 15 minutes, letting your folk rest you up. You ain't always got to be out there, but you making your contributions. And by him being the youngest player to do it, it's showing that he's making his contributions now. And that's putting the tag on him that he's ready for whatever whatever the team gives him. He's going to take it, and he's going to make sure that he's able to dish all the responsibility to everybody accordingly. Yeah. Well, the reason I say LeVar Ball's father of the year because as a parent, and of course, you know, as a father, you want to hype your children up. You want to, you want to say that, that they're the best. They're gonna be the best to ever do it. Because who, what parent, talk, talks down on their child and say, "Oh, they just gonna be mediocre." Yeah. You know, I know for every parent who, who you know, who have who have children, wants their child to be the very best at whatever it is that they do. Um, my oldest, my oldest daughter, wants to be a forensic anthropologist. Mm. And so, for that, you know, let's say she graduates, right? You know, you, you can't be no hype man. Be like, woo, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Forensic apologies, you know. You know, <laughs> you can't do that. <laughs> like, like even at Spelling Bees, I can't be clapping it up, talking about, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. I got to be quiet and stuff. No, nah, that ain't for me. That ain't for me. So, for him to be, have the opportunity to hype them up, that's a good thing. But, you know, that whole thing, like, like, whatever either one of my children decide, whatever it is they want to do, I'm going to support them. I'm going to make sure I'm the loudest in the room. Um, funny story, before we move on, my wife told me she was watching Gilmore Girls and um, what's the name graduated, I think, from either Harvard or Yale or something like that. And they were just doing this little silent clap, like, whoo, yeah, whatever. I was like, uh, I'm going to be louder than that. And my wife tells me the, the more distinguished the college the the more distinguished you got to be. I said, according, <laughs> I said, according to who? Like who 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 made this rule that you got to be quiet? Like I'm sorry, if any one of my children go to an Ivy League school and they graduate, whether whether they're the valedictorian or not, I'm gonna be the loudest one, and I'm gonna let it be known that's my child, that's my baby, whoever. It don't even matter. Don't sit up and then tell me that oh oh because we're at Harvard and Yale or Brown, or Howard, that I'm going to be quiet, or I'm going to be... No. <laughs> I'm going to be the loudest person now because I want my child or children to know that, hey, I'm very proud of you, and I'm letting it be known. Anybody got a problem with it? Hey, go sit somewhere else. You sit next to me, I'm going to be loud. And then I always tell people, if you if you got somebody you want me to root for, I root for them, which I ain't even got to know. Well, I know their name, so I won't be like, all right, Junebug. I'm like, what's their name? All right, Michael, that's what I'm talking about, boy. Or Michelle, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a, I'm a loud person. That's how I'm going to be. But I'm not going to sit back and be quiet like, good job. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> pray, pray, praise the Lamb of God. Only Willie. No, I'm going to be loud and boisterous because that's who I am. But that's how I am for any of my children. Uh, So, James Harden. Boo. How do you go from saying that the Rockets would be a dangerous team if they work if their chemistry gets down packed to saying that you can't win with this roster? And then you get traded to the Brooklyn Nets only to lose to the Cleveland Cavaliers that don't even have LeBron twice. Mm. Twice. Two times. <laughs> but he put up some stats though. He getting thirty points, ten assists. 
Kevin Durant still getting his 30 points, although he can play in the second game. But I'm like, where did they do that at? You lost to Cleveland that don't have LeBron, which Cleveland has been a mediocre team at best. They, they, they've been a below average team their entire franchise. They were only good for, what, the late 80s, maybe. But then Jordan happened and the rest is history. Then Cleveland was still a below average team. And then they got LeBron and LeBron made them who they were. And then he left. Then they became a lottery team. He came back, get a ring, he leave. They're another lottery team. So, come on. Like, Brooklyn, you got what you wanted. You got James Harden. So, I'm like, hey, James Harden, bye. <laughs> See you next time. So, what are your thoughts about James Harden's remarks? Man, I can spend about two, three days talking about that fat slob of a player. Um, first of all, in the off time, you didn't even, like you were saying earlier, you didn't even better your craft. You came, you came to court looking like you came from the strip club. I mean, like you were so out of shape. He did come from the strip club. <laughs> like seriously, and just just his whole demeanor was funky. You know how you see somebody, you know they just funky, this just funky looking, like you just like like you don't want to be there. That that's that's what I was seeing, and I was like, yeah, he has no drive to be here anymore. He didn't he didn't got liquored up. He didn't got wind out. All the females around him, he didn't got he didn't ran through. He done done what he needed to do, and. For him to say he's going to be a dangerous team to a team that can't win, I mean, dude, you you left the stupid bus and went on the retard train. And I'm going to say it like this because the team that you left for, they are a hack and slash team. The Rockets, to me, have always been a hack and slash team because I'm a Sacramento Kings kid at heart. Because I love their team, that roster when they used to play the Lakers. That was that seven game series I always loved, and I still follow them to this day. But my my, my poor Kings, they they need a whole rehash. Somebody needs to buy the team and just start all over. But back on the Rockets, they became they are a hack and slash team with a with occasional threes. I don't know why they keep trying to live by the three, die by the three. You have young, quick players that can penetrate the hole and score. Now. D'Antoni's gone, thank God. And the guy they have now, what's his name? Paul Silas. I mean, not Paul Silas, Steve, uh, Stephen Silas. Okay. He seems like he's going to take the mantle and actually control the boys, give the boys a little destination. I, I could be wrong. I could be wrong. But I see that the play out there is way different than the Rockets of last year. The Rockets of last year would shoot. If they were down 15, they shoot about 25, 33 steals to get back in the game. This team here, if the three ain't working, guess what? They go into the hole. They go into school the old way. And, I mean, if I'm wrong, I'm more of a football player myself, football game myself. I do watch the NBA occasionally. But from what I've been seeing, the Rockets have a little more better chemistry with Harden being gone anyway. That's just me. The Rockets, I, I think they have better chemistry now, but I don't think they have the right players like on that roster, even, even when they had James Harden. Like, you got, if you got Dwight Howard, even when they had Dwight Howard, they had James Harden, like, they should have put the right pieces around them. Chris Paul was, was, a, was a good piece, but, you know, Chris Paul couldn't stay healthy. And then, on top of it, even last year in the bubble, how is it that the Thunder took you to seven games and it took James Harden to 
finally decide I'm going to play a little defense because I've been getting burned. People have been talking about me not playing defense to all of a sudden then you talking about, man, I don't think I could win with this roster. Well, because you're the problem. You are the... The 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 the, perver- the proverbial proverbial thorn in the Rockets because you dribble the ball twenty seconds out the shot clock, then you pass the ball, then you get it back and you shoot it, or you dribble it for twenty two seconds, then pass it to somebody else and hope they make it. Like and then this small ball, I knew it wasn't gonna work because number one, it didn't matter who you put on AD like they did last year in the playoffs. AD was going to dominate. You put P.J. Tucker, yeah, he can, he can get up in him physically, but he can shoot over him. That, that's just like that's, that's just like my oldest daughter trying to guard me on the basketball court. She can, she can get up on me, maybe, maybe be a pest, but I can still shoot up over her. Like, come on now. Like, no. So the, the Rocks would be all right. I think I still, now even with the players that they have, I don't think they have what they need. But... Who knows? We'll see. So, how do you think the NBA is going to handle postponement of games? And do you think they should go back to the bubble? Mm. Well, personally, with the whole with the whole Rona situation, um, I personally let you play it by ear. I don't have a definite decision on that because. You don't want to rob people of the of of the thrill of their craft, you know. If you play in a bubble too long, what 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 else is going to motivate them? You can you can give them all the cash you want, you can give them all the people you want, but it's something about having those fans in the stands and they rooting for you. It, it give it gives it gives the game a better thrill, and to sit up there and the and the postpone and stuff and to keep removing that thrill. It removes some of the motivation. Like, I'm not playing. I know I'm playing for this money, but what else am I getting out of it? I don't have, I don't have, you know, the power to do all this other stuff. I'm sitting up here. I watched a video earlier. Little boy was uh, it was a little boy in Brooklyn. He was calling like Kevin Durant's name, Kevin, Kevin, and Kevin Durant turned around. And he smiled, and little boy was like, ah, he was so happy, and just that interaction alone. Probably made Kevin's day and made their kids' day. It's that fan-to-player interaction that's definitely needed. And you can't separate that for too long because you don't want the players to lose motivation to play in the game. Yeah. I think they will go back to the bubble, but I think it won't happen until playoff time. Um, You know, Dan Ballard came out like, you know, it sucks. You know, been away from his family and things like that, and how your set schedule is: go to the basketball court, practice, and go home, and you can't really hang around anybody and things like that. Like I, I get that part, you know, not having the fans there and wanting to do extra things, and you know, just just being around and interacting with fans. But you know, there's a safety and protocol that's going on. That's like, hey. We paying you this money, and we're expecting you to, you know, fulfill your contract. Well, now that we're in a pandemic, things have changed, and so now we have to try to make amends or try to figure out a way where, hey, in a sense, 
the 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 star players or the faces of the of each franchise are playing so that you know hey i mean for me i would much rather watch them on tv than have to go to the game i know you want to go to the game for the experience but at the same time it's like like all right their safety my safety is more important so i think when the playoffs come around i believe they should go back into a bubble and go with that because I thought it was very effective for the players. And then now, you know, there there are no fans per se, depending on what state or what uh, city you're in. There are no fans anyway. So if you're putting them back in the bubble, you know, your focus should just be basketball. So that is my take. So sports hazing, thoughts. Okay. Now this is a topic I brought up to you earlier in discussion of I was looking at a couple of videos and how Shaquille O'Neal and Taurus Barkley are like chipping at these young players. And, you know, early 90s, early 80s, that was fine. But now with these kids now, they they I feel like they're more self-motivated. I mean, they they have their own means to 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 know how what it takes to play the game now. And I'm just well, I just want to give your take on how do you feel about this? Should it is is it still a necessary thing to just say hey i'm gonna pick at these boys so they become better or do you feel like it's, it's becoming more obsolete because you got you got kids who are coming out here with natural talent well natural talent can only take you so far um because you can be naturally talented and but if you don't have the worth ethic to, to match that talent you're just a player that oh will get by only so far because there are a lot of players who play with fundamentals and can beat a team that's more athletic. And you see it all the time in the college, in college especially in college basketball. Like, if you watch a, a senior team, matter of fact, even, even the beginning of college basketball when the Richmond Spiders played Kentucky. Ken, Kentucky is a more talented team, but Richmond got the senior players on their team that play fundamentally sound and they play with chemistry and things like that, and Richmond beat Richmond beat Kentucky. But you know, so when Shaq and Charles Barkley make their comments, first off, with what Charles Barkley says, you got to take it as a grain of salt because Charles Barkley really ain't got a lot to say because every team you've gone to, yeah, they were good, but it didn't resonate in championships. Shaq, Shaq got four rings, and from Shaq's standpoint of yeah, I know the game is evolving. And things like that, but if if you're a big man and and he knows that you you should be dominating, you should be dominating. Like I cannot understand for the life of me how Dwight Howard was spending four years in Houston and you not get no kind of post game from big men that have played here in Houston from Elvin Hayes, the Dream, Yao Ming. Like these are big men in Houston, and you. You ain't got no post game. My post game better than Dwight Howard's, and I'm not even six ten. <laughs> like it's, I mean, like you're in Houston. Then you play for the Lakers. You got Kareem. You got Shaq. Nah, I don't want to work on no post game. I just want to jump and dunk and get rebounds and get putbacks and block a couple of shots here or there, and that's it. Like. Like what Shaq was saying about Dwight Howard, you want to call yourself Superman, you should be averaging 28 and 12, not 18 and 8. 
or 18 and 9. Like, can't seem to understand that part. Like, it, it really bothers me that these guys who are so sensitive, in my opinion, like, you know, you want somebody to touch you. Ow, he fouled me. I'm a flop. Ow. Like, come on, play ball. Like, I'm, and I'm not saying shut up and play ball. I'm saying if you're going to be this great player, like, show me. Show and be the Greek freak, you know, or working on their game. And Joel and B takes on the motivation or the, the, critic, the criticism that he's getting from, from Shaq and Charles. Because, you know, Charles Buckley would be like, jo- Joel and B should be, should be averaging 28 and 12. And then you hear Shaq, yeah, you know what I'm saying? They should be doing that too. You know, no, man, come on. Like, yeah, they should be averaging that. Like, Joel Embiid should be dominating. Like, he, he's the closest thing to a traditional back, uh, back, back to the back center. Um, the Joker probably not going to do it. AD probably not going to do it. Shoot, DeMarcus Cousins, before he started getting hurt, was one of those players that you could easily say he was one of the best centers in the league. But the hazing part, mm, I'm not sure. I don't, I don't think it's hazing. I, I think it's well within the right of saying, like, hey, you know, if you want to get championships, you know, you, you got to work twice as hard as what you're doing. And for Philly, I'm going to use Philly as an example, Ben Simmons, like, all the time you had off and you ain't worked on your jump shot says a whole lot. Says you're not motivated to me. So, should I talk about Kyrie Irving? Yeah, I'm 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 gonna try not to stay long with Kyrie Irving. So Kyrie Irving took a leave of absence, said it was for a personal break, but it wasn't all bad now. You know, he went and bought a house with George Floyd family. And of course, obviously, uh, Kyrie Irving does does do a lot, but this dude is a cancer to every team he plays for. Like he, he does not improve every he does not improve any team that he's been on from him being a dupe. He only played 11 games, and he made, you know, when Duke got into the tournament, he didn't play his best. He gets to Cleveland, your number one draft pick. Does Cleveland make the playoffs? Nope. So LeBron come back, wants to win with you. LeBron wants to see you succeed, but he was like, I don't want to be robbing to his Batman. So you go to Boston. What you do in Boston? Oh, yeah, y'all make the playoffs, but it wasn't just because of you, Kyrie. And they didn't want to pay Isaiah Thomas. So it was like, we'll get Kyrie Irving. Mm. Then you go leave. You go to Brooklyn. Still doing the same thing. But Boston is getting ahead of you in the playoffs. Because, like, man, we're doing so much better with Kimber Walker. I'm like, you're a cancer as far as your NBA career goes. But personally, we know, you know, we, we know you, you, do, you do X, Y, and Z. And we get that. So... What upset me was George Floyd when, you know, he got a house for his family or whatever, and the colonizers come out and says, well, I guess thugs can thug, get houses and things like that, too. Like, yeah, who says George Floyd was a thug? Like, this man was doing stuff for, his, for the community in Third Ward. So I asked uh, the colonizer, I asked her, I said, um, have you been to Third Ward? You know, until you've been here. And seeing what people are doing to try to help do better for the community, please go ahead and have several seats. 
Yeah, um, I'm be short on Kyrie. Um, I think personally, when it comes to sports and outside things, some people have more going on outside and in the game itself. You know, and we say he's a cancer to every team he's been on. I think there are still underlying issues with him personally that he that he tried to push through through his play, and he came out negative. And so he's trying to find a way to be able to balance the two because there's one thing about black people that we don't never discuss, and that's our mental health. And some people could be yelling to our face that I need help. I, I need some positive reassurance. And Kyrie, the way his absence is showing, he's yelling that I want to be some part of something bigger. And he's not talking about on a world scale, but he is somewhere in his mind. It's saying that there's more to this than just basketball. There's more to this than just me playing. And those type of questions can distract you from being your be the being the best in the game. Do the boy can the boy break your ankles? Yes, he can. Can the boy take it to the lane? Yes, he can. But if he got so much stuff on his mind, what can he do about that? You know? So, at the end of the day, I'm very happy that he bought the Floyd family house. That gives him a period of readjustment. Now, some part of his conscience is clear, but there's still issues. There's still underlying issues that's bothering him. And I hope that he gets in a position to where he becomes a better person after some self-evaluation yeah the, the mental health thing i do understand like i'm not you know trying to diminish who he is on a personal personal level um but what i am saying is you know like you, you signed a contract to play for your team yeah i understand you need a mental break but you can't do that in the middle of the season while season is going on i mean we we all deal with mental issues and things like that. And I know there's a lot more pressure on him because he's a professional athlete and you know, he's trying to do this, he's trying to do that, you know. Don't know don't know what he has going on outside of basketball. But he has to separate the two. That I mean that's that's the 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 best way I can put it. So Tomorrow will be a year that Kobe passed away. And got to ask you, man, where were you when you first got the news? Coincidentally, him and my sister-in-law died the same day. Wow. So, because she died from cancer. And then, so we are trying to adjust to that. And then we found out she passed away. Then within an hour later of the news, we hear about the helicopter crash. So it was like like a double whammy situation, like, Jesus Christ, really? So in essence of him and his daughter being gone, it's 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 to be honest, it's nuts. And the reason why it's nuts is because you don't you don't want life to leave here. And Kobe finally had removed all the negativity that was around him from his career, from cheating on his wife and all that other stuff. He was building a brand, a positive brand with himself and his family. And it was going great. And it's a sucky thing when great things like that come to an abrupt end, you know. And, you know, I still send my prayers and thoughts to my own family and to his, 
you know, because like I've always learned that death brings death opens up more doors to other things that we're not seeing. Like who who sits up there and passes away and then your mother in law sues her daughter for watching your kids? You know, that type of stuff that happens after that, it shouldn't even be like that. You should be more connected with one another. And it just shows that when when that type of stuff comes out like that, it just shows how much of a pillar Kobe was with his family. He had everything set in place so the extracurricular stuff don't come in and interfere. Now that he's gone, everybody has to make the proper adjustments for his sake. And I think that's what should that, – and I personally think that's what should happen. Yeah. Um, so, I remember when I got the news, I was sitting on the couch. I was holding Junior, and my homeboy that I, that I go to church with, he texted me. He inboxed me on Facebook and said, man, Kobe died. And I literally, I was like, man, stop playing. Like, I, I, I know you're playing. Like, don't even play with me like that, bro. <laughs> So, then I, I flipped to ESPN immediately, sure enough. And I'm sitting there like, this can't be happening, man. Like, like, like we just lost David Stern a couple of weeks ago. And, and I'm, I'm big on basketball. If, if you don't know, I love basketball, not more than anything, but, you know, God, my wife and children, and then basketball. You love it enough. Right. Uh, so... So when I got the news and I'm like, dog, I can't believe this. And like, for him to be gone and then, you know, you hear about um, Gianna passing away and it's just like, man, like everybody going to be, come tomorrow and probably Wednesday, everybody going to be in this mode. Like we're going to do any and everything for Kobe because Kobe and everybody tries to bring up his negative stuff, Right. Because that, that, that's what we do. We, we want to bring up the neg- negative things that people have done. And we try to leave out the positive light. That's the craziest thing. We can do nine positive things in the world. But that one negative thing is the one that holds credence over everything else that we've done. And I'm just like, like what, what, what happened in 2003, I believe it was, it was alleged. And although there was a settlement, you know, we don't know what happened. We, we don't know what happened. We can only guesstimate. So, you know, to Kobe, um, of course he's missed. And, you know, let's not forget the other seven people that was on that plane. I mean, yeah, on that plane as well. Like, you know, they lost their lives too. So, tomorrow's going to be a crazy day. But we will get through it just like we always do. You know, just make sure you have that mama mentality. So, this, I want to know what your thoughts about is. Because this one, I think I'm going to get a good chuckle out of. Former church pastor now makes a hundred grand, a hundred grand as a life coach for strippers. Your thoughts? Wait. Wait, what? <laughs> Former church pastor, female. Now makes a hundred thousand as a life coach for strippers. Your thoughts? Ah, oh, Jesus. Um. <laughs> now this, this, this. Now take your time. 
Wow. Um, I, as, as I was growing up, uh, they always told me not to knock nobody hustle. But Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> wow. Uh, I'm, I'm really at words because I can't really. I really have nothing to say about it because <laughs> to to turn the tables like that and to make a hundred grand easy like that, it, it's it's the way the hustle goes. I totally understand that, you know, you probably were as a pastor, you probably wasn't making enough money or you or you wouldn't feel like you weren't being blessed enough to increase your territory. But to be a life coach, that's fine. To be a life coach, that is perfect. But, oh, my God, like, to be a life coach for strippers, like, that kind of, like, takes things from one extreme to the other. Like, I'm going to help you build your life better. But I'm going to help you dance on that pole. Oh, I'm going to help you learn how to get into these men's pockets. And I'm going to show you how to drop it like it's hot. Like, I'm really trying to piece together like what made that transition like was it was it money related or was it just in relation to being broken down so far that you just was like man forget this I don't want to deal with this no more I don't want to uh deal with the negativity of being a minister and just went on a totally different tangent and say hey I'm gonna be a life coach and then life coach wasn't working out and then you probably met somebody who was a stripper and was like, well, I need adjustments with my life. I need help. Oh, you need help? What's your classification? I'm a stripper. All right, I'll help you. And then she probably told the rest of her stripper friends, and now you at Magic City making 100K, <laughs> making 100K just telling them how to, how, to get, how to get money out of these men's pockets because I'm still lost at how you, how you can you put those together. Like, Life coach, you know, that's, that's spiritual, uplifting and everything. But for strippers, like, you, you uplifting them. <laughs> you uplifting them to uplift men slash women. Like, and we ain't talking about uplifting the good way. We talking about uplifting the sensual way. Like, how can I make these people even happier just being in my presence? I need them to drop them dollars. And the only quote I could think of right now is, I'll make them holler for a dollar and I do something strange for a little piece of change. <laughs> so I, I got to say this too. So he, he, here's what, who was, who was my first thought when I saw this, that this female pastor was, was, um, gave up a, a life living for Christ to, to become a, 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 a coach, coaching stripper. To be a coach for strippers. Like, my first thought was, like, kid you not, the first song that popped in my head was, um, A God Like Me, Kirk Franklin, Do You Want That Bounce? Do You Want That Bounce? That Bounce? That Bounce? And I'm like, like, songs like that pop in my head, like, what's, what songs are you giving them to help them? Because, like, but... You can't say that, well, I'm going to just stop preaching and I'm going to go to a different calling. And then who's to say that you decide, you know what, I'm tired of this. I think I've made enough money. 
Um, are you giving your ten percent to the church? You're like, what? Well, like, what's going on? What's the thought process of? What's the thought process of you deciding? Like, okay, I'm gonna give this lifestyle up to do this lifestyle because I see the money in it. But Scripture tells us that the love of money is the root of all evil. The love of it, not just money in general, because you can have money and still do good for do good with it. But it's the love of that money. Like, oh, I'm gonna do X, Y, and Z. But for her, oh my God. <laughs> Why? Like, like what what possessed her to be like, you know what? I need to get these dollars. Let me let me try this. And I'm sorry. Like, no knock on white people who are strippers, but a lot of y'all ain't got no rhythm. So what what you gonna teach them? How to be a robot when they're trying to dance for these dollars? Like, like like what happens? I don't know. I think it's pretty hilarious, actually, in my take. But if you say that you call to preach, and then you'd be like, "Nah, God, I think I think I'm I think I'm gonna change my uh my job title from being a pastor to a a, a stripper. I mean, or a coaching stripper. Like, how does that even work? <laughs> I don't I don't look, I don't even want to talk about it anymore because I think it's hilarious. I th- I'm just gonna move on. I'm just gonna move on because if I keep talking about it, I'm gonna come up with crazy ideas on what's going on in her head, and it's gonna make me be like, "Did she really just think of that?" Like, like I would like to interview her and be like, "So I don't know her name. Just gonna say Melissa. We'll throw a name out there. No offense to anybody whose name is Melissa. Just throw a name out there. So what? What? How did the thought process go with you deciding to give up a life of being a pastor?" A, a pillar and ambassador for the Lord to go into being a coach for strippers. <laughs> well, you know, Dadrian, um, you know, it just kind of <laughs> came to me. Like, uh, let, let's move on. Let's move on. Because we can do this all day. Um, so, this past week, we lost a couple of legends in baseball. And we lost another uh, celebrity as well. They say death came in threes. Well, it definitely came fast. Um, we lost a Dodger manager in Tommy Lasorda, who Man. won four pennants, two World Series championships, the last one in 88 before this past year, and Hank Aaron, Henry Hank Aaron, who, in my mind, I'm not going to say he was one of the reasons why I fell in love with baseball, but... Watching, you know, his, his the history behind him and how, you know, he was ridiculed. He was because he was about to pass Babe Ruth because Babe Ruth played in an era where there were only white guys playing in the major league. And black guys couldn't play, so they came up with their own league. And it was like, oh, hey, these guys that's in, this, that's in the Negro League could, could, could actually play some baseball. So let me go look and let me go search for some out in the cornfield, out in the cotton field. Let me go grab them and let's play. Let them play baseball. But I'm like, bro, anything, I'm sorry, anything us as blacks touch, we we turn it into something, turn it into better than what it was originally, i.e. baseball, basketball, football, whatever, cooking, hair products. Um, the the filament for the light bulb. We have hands of gold. Exactly, everything we touch is gold. <laughs> so, 
So, like, this dude here, Hank Aaron, you know, did it, although he played for the Atlanta Braves. Boo. I'm kidding. No, I don't hate the Atlanta Braves. But, you know, like, legends in baseball, man, you, like, I can only imagine the stories my grandfather has about Hank Aaron and Tommy Lasorda because my grandfather was a Dodgers fan. That's why I'm a Dodgers fan. So, who can you root for in baseball? And don't say the Astros. Oh, no, no, no. Um, actually, I like the White Sox. <laughs> right. All right, I'm sorry. I, I got to throw the flag. I got to blow the whistle. So, the Buccaneers, the Sacramento Kings, and the Chicago White Sox are your professional teams that you root for. Um... <laughs> Buccaneers, I never really had an issue with them. I was just having to get rid of those ugly, light orange uniforms. Do not call, do not disrespect the creamsicle. You mean the sherbet? Whatever. <laughs> I call it creamsicle. The Sacramento Kings, who they only had a couple of good years. And the White Sox? <laughs> the White Sox? Like... You, you can pick the team up north and root for the Cubs. I'd have been like, all right, that's not a bad one. But the White Sox? Hey, the White Sox bought me a championship versus that crazy Astros team. Yeah, the refs cheated. <laughs> the high, high. Actually, actually, I take that back. The refs, in, in game one of that World Series in 2004, they cheated. Because how is it, and I'll say this until I'm blue in the face, how is it that Jermaine Dye had a pitch come inside and he reacted in a way as if he got hit, but he didn't get hit? It wasn't even close. Yeah. Because if you get hit in your your um forearm, you ain't gonna be oh let me get this dirt off my forearm. You're gonna be cussing and fussing. Right. You're gonna be on the ground talking about he broke it in my elbow or whatever. So but the white socks. Yeah. Like No the reason okay. Now let me explain the reason for reasoning for my teams and then we'll we'll finish the topic. I'm gonna be real short. Okay. Buccaneers fan. I was a I was an average college football watcher. I didn't like the NFL at one time when I was younger. I liked college football because the kids played their hearts out. I, their games were more exciting to me. And so, I was watching the Purdue game, the Boilermakers, and I saw number 40, Michael Allstott. And he being a fullback was tearing up the field, making blocks and everything. And I'm like, who the heck is this cat? Like, he is making his presence out there. He knocking do Like, I ain't, I, I used to love to want to be halfback when I was younger. But with to see him play in that full, fullback position, knocking dudes down, making blocks, running for 15, 16 yards, and plowing dudes over, I say, man. So, I start following Purdue, following his games, and he had got better as time went by. I said, yeah, whoever team he go for in the NFL, I be, I'm be a fan. And so I watched the draft, and they say the Tampa Bay Buccaneers select Mike Allstott. I say, oh, well, that's the end of that story. I'll be a Buccaneers fan. Now, the Sacramento Kings, I love their jersey colors. Now, listen, listen, at the time, I wasn't really an avid basketball fan, but I was looking around jerseys, and I saw this. I said, oh, that's a cool, cool little color. And I was a fan of them when Chris, when they had the Chris Webber squad with Paige Stoyakovich, Chris Webber, Lottie Vox. And so I was like, okay, this is, this is a pretty good team. And then when they played the Lakers in the seven-game series, they always left me to the edge of my seat. 
I'm always was pulling out my hair and everything. I was like, these these games are what I live for. I wish they would have got a championship behind it. But hey, it is what it is. Now, there is a a supplemental family value behind the White Sox thing, okay? My father was locked up for 17 years. And so when he got out, me and him were hanging out. I went on to college and he knew I liked sports. But he just didn't know what to give me. So he got me he had got me a black white Sox hat and a uh white Sox jersey with my name on it. With my last name on it. So I was like, okay, I mean I'm not a really a baseball fan, but I likes this look. I mean the look got me the ladies. The ladies like, Oh, I love you. I was like, Okay, if I feel good in this black and white white Sox stuff, I wear it. You might want to tread light lightly if your wife is gonna listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I'm gonna say to that. But but yeah, but but that's the reason why I have those teams like that though. All right, I'll give you the White Sox if it's a family tr- tradition or family value. There was some sentiment to that. I, I'm I'm not gonna take that away, but I, I do not applaud your loyalty to the Sacramento Kings because yeah, I'm gonna just leave it at that. <laughs> um. Also, man, rest in peace to Larry King. Um, he just died a couple of days ago as well. Like, like I, I'm I'm ready to return 2021 back to its owner, <laughs> or or return it to 2020 because I I can't take it. Um, so this question, I, I I saw this on Facebook in the one of the groups that I'm in, and it it asked it asked the question of what is the biggest disconnect between between black men and black women? Your thoughts. Okay, um, first of all, the the biggest disconnect is the culture itself. What we tend to fail to understand is that we can't have our grandfathers and grandmothers type of marriage anymore because women are now validated. Women are now partners. They're not just somebody who stays at home and cleans up. They're not just somebody who's just a backbone. You know, we are, instead of, you know, they used to say the man is the head and the woman is the neck that supports the head. It ain't even that way no more. The way, to me, I look at it two hemispheres of the human brain now. The man is the left side, which is pragmatic, thought-provoking, physical, and the woman is the right hemisphere, emotional, supporting, understanding, bewildering. With them both together, they create a powerful union. The disconnect comes from the fact that there are a lot of men nowadays who still think as head and neck. No, you need to think of two different hemispheres of the brain. Because one can't be without the other. And you can't be mad at your wife's success. You can't be mad at black women succeeding. Yes, black women are making chefs online uh being uh having their own degrees creating their own businesses and to me that is a beautiful thing but to some men out there they feel like oh well she's too powerful or she's too much of an alpha i have alpha friends that i know from college that still ain't married because a lot of them feel that they they that the men that they're with are going to be afraid of them and we as men have to understand that it isn't a good or better situation who are we better than we are we are on the same level playing field 
I mean, if somebody who, you know, I'm happily married now, but before the time, if I, if somebody was making 150 grand a year and they decided to be with me and I'm only making 75 grand a year, if we are both still like-minded, that shouldn't matter. That we should be able to still grow together. And the disconnect there is black, most black men out there now, not, 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 not our people, not me and you, but the men that are out there now are not willing to grow. And I have to, and I have to throw it on the men's side because women, black women are evolving, and black men are devolving. They don't want to step up. If if I see a black woman stepping up, I'm gonna to want to step up. That's just how I am. But these men now, they see a black woman stepping up, they don't want to meet at the level. They want to bring her down. Why? Because you're lazy. And the the disconnect comes from there. You don't want to move up as a black man to a woman's what's her name. Now it's also on the other side too. There are women out there who who have fallen down and wants the men to come down to their level so they can be better, so they can be better than them. No, sweetie, it doesn't work like that. I saw in some groups that say women be talking about they want a better man, and then when they get that man to be a better them, they don't want to do that. And truth be told, I have I physically have seen that. I've seen females talk down on a man and they go on a man with a date asking her what her goals is. She don't know what her goals is right now. But she knows she wants to do something with herself. Oh, well, I can help you with that. And then all of a sudden, they start feeling some type of way because they like where they're at now. They just don't want to admit to that. Um, I kind of agree with you in some points, in some areas of what you said. But I think the, the biggest disconnect for me is this, this fairy, fairy tale lifestyle, a fantasy lifestyle that you think that is going to be something that you're not. Um. Trust me, in, in, in my house, even though I am the head, my wife is the neck. And she let it be known, but it, and it's not a bad thing, right? So because she's the neck, um, to make sure I keep my head straight, meaning that she, she you know, her, her voice will be heard. And we are living in a time where, you know, we, we although there are some marriages that are have that you know my grandparents mentality but at the same time at the same time it's like it's it's ever evolving right so because it's evolving and it's being modified to where the husband is actually doing more in the house than what he was back in the 40s and 50s and 60s and things like that Mm -hmm. you know i help you know cleaning taking out the trash with the children, you know, I'm not just sitting on the couch or sitting um, or, you know, sitting in a recliner or whatever. I'm pitching, you know, and doing things that maybe my grandfather didn't do. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a different, different time and age of living. Yes, women are getting degrees and things like that, but, not not saying that women are beneath men or anything like that, but they we live in a time where their voice matters, their opinion matters, how they feel, you know, you know what they think about their ideas, you know, their ambitions, you know, things like that. They, you know, it matters. So we us as men, we have to listen. We have to take into effect. That hey okay I'm picking up what you're putting down I understand you 
and things like that. So we as men have to do better at listening to what they're saying. And then on the other end too, like us as men, you know, we have ideas, ambition and things like that. And we just need your support. Stroke our ego a little bit. So that's, that's kind of what it is. So um, final thoughts. Um, once again, us as blacks, we've made history again. Um, we went and turned Georgia into a blue state. And Kamala Harris, Black VP. Like, yep. Every time you look up, Black history is being made every day. Black history is not just uh, limited to one month because you can't put a limit on what Blacks do in America. Um, again, I don't own any of the music that I play. So the song you heard today was by Bizzle. Long time coming because it's been a long time coming and. Uh, the, the, the person that was in office is no longer in there. We got somebody new. So, this your boy, Daydream, my boy, Steven. All right. And until next time.